and welcome into another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It is Monday, February 8th, the day after the big game, guys. I don't think we can say the SB word. Don't want to get copyright killed by the NFL. So the day after the big game, uh, shift moves in Ohio to college basketball. It's March Madness coming up next month. Big show for us. We're talking a lot of college basketball. I know there are some people that have kind of put college basketball on the back burner with college football kind of rolling a little bit later than usual and then the uh, wild NFL playoffs. So we'll get you all up to date, some of the big teams in Ohio, how they're doing. But uh, first for some introductions, uh, to my left is uh, on this wonderful meal that is 30 Rack of Sports. It's the uh, potatoes and veggies of the pod, except they're delivered about 15 minutes afterwards and kind of a little bit cold and soggy. It's the backbone of the pot. It's Josh. Josh, how are we doing today? Did you just call me soggy? <laughs> Called you soggy, soggy potatoes. Wow. Okay. All right. Hey, but you know what potatoes are? What? They're they're a good guest at, at the meal, wouldn't you say? They're a good guest. I believe it. Always bring guests to the halftime show. It's it's not a one man thing. The best Super Bowl halftime shows are always with guests. So I found that to be a little underwhelming. Yeah, a little bit too much weekend looking at yeah. himself in the mirror. The whole game was underwhelming, but... Speaking of our guest, and not really our guest, our regular co-host, the dessert of the pod, the stale dessert of the pod, just like all of his takes, it's Zach. Zach, how are we doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, don't know how I feel, but I think that's a little bit of a compliment. Yeah, you're like me. a... You're, like you're a ref- sweet, but you're just a little bit stale. A little bit old. Day old pie. Better than what Day I've old been pie. Called, better than what I've been called before. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. And then, of course, we've got the main course. The perfectly cooked <laughs> filet mignon of the pod. The perfect main course personified into a host. My name is Greg. I'm running the show around here on 30 Rack of Sports. You are very medium. That's the one like thing <laughs> that you need <laughs> is sometimes, you know, bad side, bad wine, bad dessert can really ruin the filet mignon. And in this case, having some offensive line holes can really ruin the filet mignon of the NFL that is Pat Mahomes. And that was shown a whole lot last night, guys. It was. As he very much struggled, and uh, the Chiefs just kind of bludgeoned. Yeah, well, folks, I hope you enjoyed these uh, dinner puns. 30 (laughs) Rack of Sports. Let's get into the show. Of course, the Bucks taking down the Chiefs 31-9 to claim TB12's seventh Super Bowl. But in Ohio, we really don't care about Tom. We'd rather congratulate Bowling Green alum Scotty Miller for getting his first Super Bowl ring. Now the NFL calendar turns to draft season with the Bengals and the Browns holding the 5th and 26th picks respectively. On the college hardwood, it was a big week in Ohio as the Buckeyes got a huge win in Iowa City, taking down the Hawkeyes 89-85 in a thrilling 7-8 matchup. There was another shootout, this time in Toledo, with the Rockets running away from the Zips 91-79, even with a gargantuan effort by Akron's Lauren Jackson. And down in Cincinnati, the Bearcats finally got back to basketball, returning from a 25-day hiatus to get back-to-back wins over Temple and Tulane with a shortened roster that included two walk-ons getting playing time. And finally, in the pros, both the Jackets and the Cavs took a step back after a strong start to the season, with the squads going 1-2 and 1-3 and and last week, respectively. 
Both teams dealt with some defensive woes as the Jackets gave up six goals in each of their losses and the Cavs gave up over 120 points in all three of their losses. The schedule gets no easier for the Cavs as they now start a five-game West Coast swing. And guys, those are your OH headlines. We're going back to uh, some regularly scheduled programming with another IPA. Uh, this time we go to Yellow Springs, Ohio, and the Yellow Springs Brewery and their Boat Show IPA. Guys, this brewery right in the heart of Yellow Springs, just a few blocks north of Antioch College. Um, IPA with a very cool-looking can. Uh, Your pretty standard IPA. Got the Citra Hops and uh, 7% alcohol it's a good one and that's yeah. i believe it's like their their flagship beer or whatever you know their their big guy mm. um <laughs> but if you've never been to yellow springs absolutely, home of dave Chappelle, home of dave Chappelle, <laughs> that's right absolutely take time to go it's an awesome area there's a lot of good hiking there the clifton gorge uh the Glen helen um and then yellow springs brewery right down there in the little heart of yellow springs quaint little place Great Ohio town. Very uh, liberal, artsy. Yeah, kind very of bohemian, liberal, artsy. Yeah. Little enclave. I, I hear Dave Chappelle just kind of has comedy shows out in cornfields out there. I've heard that too. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd like to find one sometime. Oh, God. We should have him on. We should. <laughs> but no, definitely take it's It's an awesome place. They usually have food trucks there, and then they've got like an awesome outdoor area um, too, as well as a great indoor. Uh, they actually, their indoor space is also an art gallery. I don't know if that's like a permanent thing or just when I was there this past, uh, like in December, November, mm-hmm. they just had an art exhibit in, in there. But cool spot, a lot of good beers. I mean, what do you guys think of this one? I think it's uh, it's a nice one for, again, um, we've had a few of these that I think are more, I like it, but I'm more partial to the real bitter uh, yeah. IPAs. But it's definitely one for your typical not uh, IPA drinker. Yeah, you're generally. kind of wading into IPAs. Yeah. It I, is very I know the good, first though. thing that I thought when I didn't kind of uh, – you know, see the can that much, just took my first sip. I thought it was going to be way less than 7%. It's definitely, it oh, definitely yeah. seems like one of those like 5% yeah. IPAs mm-hmm. just because of, you know, it's it's very, I mean, it's light. All the notes, all the taste. Their seventh anniversary last year in August, they did a uh, double boat show. Twice Ooh. the boat. Twice the boat. Twice the boat. Twice the show? Twice the show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, and it was 8.7%, and it was dry hopped. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, it was a real hot commodity last August. I'm okay. wondering, you know, last year they did the double, triple this year? I don't know. Maybe. Well, they might have to wait till 14 yeah. years. Uh, maybe. It'll be eight, I think, this year in August for them. But Yellow Springs Brewery, awesome place. Boat show, awesome beer. Yeah. Thank you to Yellow Springs Brewery. Alrighty, for our first quick sip of the show, we're talking uh, the Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys knew. There's Shh, a big game. I'm sorry, the the large, <laughs> big season-ending football game. The big match. The big, big match. The big match. <laughs> the big game. Uh, the team from Tampa Bay beat the team from Kansas City. Are we allowed to say Buccaneers and Chiefs? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Beat them uh, 31 to nine. Um, obviously. One of Pat Mahomes' worst games as a quarterback. 
was missing a lot of offensive line pieces, uh, you know, center, uh, both tackles. So that was really shown. Uh, Mahomes was pressured on 29 of his 56 dropbacks, most by a QB in Super Bowl history. And Brady was uh, only pressured on four of 30 dropbacks, which is the lowest percentage of all of his Super Bowls, all nine of his Super Bowls. So, guys, um, what biggest takeaway from the game? Zach, we'll start with you. Eh. <laughs> there, was a, yeah. there was a game. Uh, I don't know. This is, you know, it's fucking Tom Brady. God damn it. Like, I, I honestly couldn't even... I'm going to admit it to everybody. I couldn't bring myself really to watch it because I'm still upset about two weeks ago, and that just even further threw me down a spiral that I'll forever be in. Um, bitter Packers fan. I'm super bitter. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, they, they seem to actually apparently referee this game, which is that's more of what I'm more upset about the refereeing in the playoffs. I don't understand the whole let it's very him play. Consistent. And that's, here's, uh, this is the only thing I'm going to say about And it didn't the matter in the game. I'm not making it, it didn't matter. Yeah, I'm not blaming the refs here. No, it didn't matter. When you have five first downs off penalties spanning 56 yards on three touchdown drives in the first half. Yeah. that That's where it gets. Some of them, some of them, yes, were penalties. Some of them were penalties, but they were pretty soft. And one of right. them was on a pick. Yeah. yeah when there pick. was a slight tug yeah and that's not even near the play to the point where it's like eh. that's where you lose guys like zach who's a packers fan and had no no officiating whatsoever and there were some definite holds and and very big plays of that game it's the inconsistency that bothers everyone just call it like you do in the regular season i don't understand this for the every sport nba and nfl are in tour like you let them go in the play why yeah. Just call it like you do in the regular season. I know the I've whole thing. Like, I don't want that. the refs interfering. Well, a penalty is a penalty. Right. Or a foul. It doesn't fucking matter. Why no, can't the you problem just call is, it the same all season? Yeah. They, they, they do this thing in the playoffs where they don't call things, especially in the NBA, because it's a lot, you know, obviously a lot more games with right. the seven game series. You right. get a whole lot more of like the reactionary, like, they don't call anything, or there was like a big charge that was called a block. Then in the next game, they're calling charges all over the place. And it seemed kind of like that, where it was like, they got a they lot of shit from the Bucks Packers game, and they decided, yeah. "Oh, you guys start." Yeah, calm. really watch the hold. So any yeah. sort of like slight tug was. But I mean, I will say, I, it it it's about the pressure I think that Tom Brady faces. Um, and I should have mm. listened. My dad sent me this awesome graphic, uh, Super Bowl Sunday morning, and I should have paid more attention to it. It's from Pro Football Focus, and over the past ten years, from two thousand eight to uh, the twenty nineteen season, uh, Tom Brady. 5.5% of his dropbacks in the last 10 years, he took a hit or a sack. Only 5.5%. Some, some seasons, it was only like 3% of his dropbacks he was it's getting absurd. hit or sacked. It's absurd. I don't think, and that's over his whole career. I mean, he never gets hit. He never takes sacks. He's a damn statue. Because coaches, and this, is, I think, is why Bruce Arians did such a great job this season. He said, we got Tom Brady. I'm going to let Tom Brady be Tom Brady. And I'm, my job is to protect Tom Brady, build around Tom Brady. Right. He's Tom Brady. And I think rushing Tom Brady, I mean, no one's figured out how to do that. Coaches take too well, care of take take care of him too well. And part of that's Tom out not yeah. a bias against Tom Brady. He gets the ball out quick. He he's very good at manipulating the pocket. He right. is. Well, and that's, and that's I think what you saw especially when too. the Chiefs were getting desperate at, like in the third quarter, is you know, they brought they bring so many six man rushes. And then they play that really soft. They kept playing that soft, deep zone coverage. And then, I mean, it was just checkdowns all mm. day. And so he'll the check he'll down kill you. The slot that. was open all, all night for him. And that's yeah. 
That's bread and butter. Easy mm-hmm. formula to win the game. And that's one of the things. When you have to, I mean, when you make Brady have to go down the field, kind of like the way, I didn't think Andy Reid called exactly a great game. Because mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of very long routes. And that was one of the issues that, you know, the Browns had two years ago versus last year where they didn't have an offensive line. And they had a lot of very long routes for, you know, right. Odell or those other guys. So it takes forever for those guys to even be open, you know, three and a half, four seconds, and then you're already about to get hit. You got to do a lot of, you know, against the Browns, I saw a lot of quick pitches, you know, sit down right by the linebackers. And I understand, you know, the Buccaneers have much more impressive, you know, linebackers linebackers. than the Browns. But, man, you needed to get the ball out of Pat Mahomes' hands way quicker than you did. And it was shown. Because some of, I mean, Mahomes ran over 500 yards in the pocket, which was the most all season. And some of that was him. Some of that was the play calling. And some of that was the pressure. But you have to do three-step out, five-step right. out. I understand you want Tyree Kill to get past the defense. But at some point, you have to realize you don't have Fisher. Right. You don't have Schwartz. You don't have any of the, you know, you well, don't have I'll your say- center. Like- some of some of the passes he did make on the run, especially that one where he dove and throw it. I mean, they uh, I mean, they're impressive and everything, but it's not going to win you, especially the Super Bowl. And I, what do you guys think? Like, to me, it seems like the Chiefs kind of just thought they were going to play their offense against didn't this great defense, and it wouldn't be a problem. Didn't seem like they game plan at all. Right. And 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 they did kind of similar to what at times the Packers now the Packers offensive line, for the most part, healthy besides Bakhtiari, and they did fairly well. But there were still those couple drives there that I thought was bad play calling. Where we're talking about deep routes, and they refused to keep a tight end or somebody else in there. And it's like this idea of, well, I want to give him more options. No, when you have great quarterbacks like that, you can give them fewer options, give them more time. Yeah. Well, in a lot of Kelsey's routes. They refused to do that. They connected with Kelsey a couple times over the middle, technically, I guess, is like the, in the shallow route, but it was still like 10, 15 yards down the field. And he was getting like eight to 12 yards after catch or after contact. Yeah. You know, like, I, f- I feel get like they could played yards yeah, and have him get eight yards. Played much yeah. shorter. I don't know, but it is what it is. Big Brady's, question. Brady is what he is. At. And I was thinking about this. We don't really need to get into it, but Andy Reid's son thing. Did that was that anywhere on the mind? Mo- yeah, mean, that definitely didn't come at a good time. No, right? yeah, it didn't no. come at a good time. And I guess you know, the biggest question going forward, as we turn to the draft next year, who do you think gets back? Who do you think has a better chance of getting back between the Bucks and the Chiefs? I would say the Bucks because it's the Browns here next year, but you know. Uh, <laughs> let us know at 30 Rack Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Who gets back? We're talking Hall of Fame. So uh, over the weekend, uh, the Hall of Fame enshrinement was announced for the uh, eight people as far as the players getting in from the normal committee. You have uh, a guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He played for the Colts and the Broncos a little bit. Zach, his name is Peyton Manning. Oh, Eli's older brother. Yeah, Eli's older brother. Okay. Yep. Um, and then uh, former Raider and Packer defensive back Charles Woodson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lions wide receiver Calvin Johnson. Uh, former Buccaneer and Bronco uh, John Lynch. And then former Steeler Alan Fanica, along with um, Drew Pearson. Bill Nunn, and then Tom Flores for the older committee. So had those five guys. Um, obviously, 
in Ohio. We've had a number of issues with uh, some of our players, Bengals, Browns, former Ohio State guys that didn't get into the Hall of Fame. So uh, this is what we're talking about is, is Hall of Fame snubs from Ohio. Josh, we'll start with you being the Bengals fan. Uh, of course, as it's known, currently only one player has gone into the Hall of Fame as a Bengal, yeah. uh, left tackle Anthony Munoz. Crazy. So I'm assuming you have uh, <clears throat> at least a few players to pick from. Yeah, uh, well, there was Willie Anderson got further this year, uh, offensive tackle for the Bengals. Willie Anderson's big thing is he played 16 seasons for the Bengals in the dark times and really never <laughs> missed a beat. You know, held it, held it down on the that offensive times. line for 16 <laughs> seasons. That alone is impressive. What was that, like, late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, like, yeah. the real dark times. Yes. Like, the, oh, my dark. gosh. Yeah. He was he was the rock growing up watching the Bengals. You could always rely on Big Willie. But my uh, my real two big snubs I'm going to focus on are both the Kens, uh, Ken Anderson and Ken Riley. Ken Riley was more of a snub, um, not only from the Hall of He should be in the Hall of Fame, fifth all-time interceptions. Uh, but in the NFL honors, uh, he passed away earlier this year and completely glossed over him in the NFL honors. Memoriam. Yeah, like, yeah. Fifth all-time in interceptions in the league, and just he died this year, and they were just like, oh, whatever. I mean, so, not quite Dick Knight Train Lane, but still a, yeah, a big-time like player. Was, uh, and then, yeah, Ken Anderson, guy led the league in QBR four seasons. Uh, only two other quarterbacks have, have uh, back in his time have more than that, uh, Steve Young being one of them. Uh, that's also while facing the Steel Curtain twice yeah. a year. Um, and then he also had the lowest interception uh, – ratio in the league three times again facing the steel curtain twice a year didn't he have an mvp too yeah he had an mvp he played played in a super bowl um you can say what you want about some things that happened in that super bowl namely not being able to score from the one yard line but still guy should be in the hall of fame had great a career i don't know what are you guys snubs uh so my snub of course gonna be from the browns uh sort of a name that probably a lot of uh Football fans from this age know it's uh, so Clay Matthews. The I guess he's still technically active, but wasn't on a roster last year. The the former uh, Packer and Ram oh, yeah. outside linebacker. He's actually Clay Matthews the third. So his dad, Clay Matthews Jr., was a um, was a linebacker, a three four linebacker. Uh, played nineteen years, uh, sixteen with the Browns with the Falcons. And this was, like you said, like Willie Anderson, just the peak of yeah. longevity. He only missed 26 games and out of a possible 304, which 14 in one season. He's seventh all-time on the tackle list with 1,595 tackles, averaging almost six per game, and was the oldest player in NFL history to record a sack at 40 years, 282 days. In Ooh. a season where he had six and a half sacks and led the Falcons in sacks. Also respectable numbers for a linebacker, 16 picks, 27 forced fumbles, and 69 and a half sacks. Now you can say no All-Pro was only a second team once, only a four-time Pro Bowler, and no Super Bowl rings, but he was also an essential part of a feared Browns defense that made it to three AFC championship and was a reliable part of a 3-4 team. And I mean, a guy that, you know, once again, six and a half sacks, at 40, so he was a guy that yeah. could make tackles from when he was just entering the league from USC to the time he was 40. 
just a stalwart of that Cleveland Browns defense. You know, he's, I believe, top 20 in games played by non-kickers from a linebacker position, you know, from a position where you get beat up a little bit more than just taking self-sacks. So an unbelievable player and kind of the sad part for him is uh, he's exhausted his 20-year stay on the ballot. So now he'll move to the coaches slash senior committee where the rules have kind of changed. So he'll be on there in 2022, but they only elect former players so often. So it could be years, if ever, right. mm-hmm. before he gets into the Hall of Fame, which is a real shame. He was a member of the 2019 class for the Browns Ring of Honor, which was very nice when the Rams came to town so his son could be there and whatnot. So uh, just a, a class act of a guy from a great football family who was, you know, just an unbelievable player Big over a family. huge you know, 19-year career in the league. Zark. I'm sorry. This is a travesty, in my opinion. Uh, Packers great Leroy Butler. Anybody want to talk about a snub? Now, granted, everybody knows safeties have a hard time getting in, but he's got a ring. Four-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, NFL All-90s Decade Team, and the inventor of the Lambo Leap by the way, and yet is still not in the Hall of Fame. I feel I like just, that alone has to put you in the Hall of Fame. I mean, what right? are we doing here? I, I mean, it's the Lambo Leap. And it, but, I mean, again, I know it's the position. Safeties have a hard time. I, I never really understood it for some reason. It's like they get cobbled in with corners, and because they don't have the big, unless you're Ed Reed, like interception See, numbers. I never understood that from a football perspective. It's like even if you're a punter, right. if you were the best punter in the league for 10 years, well, that was your job. Yeah. You did your job Unbelievably, it's the same thing as being like a relief pitcher or a right fielder I mean, I or something. It's still more than those. I mean, you're out there, you're playing. That you're a big part of any defense. I That's mean, what I mean. I'm just saying. No, I know what you're saying. I just think you know. I had to go outside. I agree with both of you on those, but outside of that, I couldn't really find anybody. Just Chris Spielman, but he didn't play long enough. Let's I mean, be former, real. <laughs> former MVP Brian Sipe. I mean, that's fair. But I just think. The one thing that Greg brought up yeah. is that the reason the Bengals really don't have, they put out a statement about that whole Ken Riley being absent from the in-memoriam thing. But if you aren't going to honor your players themselves, then you can't get too upset when the league doesn't honor them. The Bengals don't have a ring honor. Uh, That's crazy like that. That's crazy. Anything like that. <laughs> so weird. All right, guys, it's now time for the Big Chug. We're talking a little college basketball roundup. As we mentioned uh, early in the show, you know, with the with football being completely done from the NFL and college side, bright lights kind of turn on college basketball. March Madness, obviously, coming up next month. I mean, you said you said a little college basketball. I, folks that have been casually uh, paying attention because, you know, football and all whatnot, they probably don't know how many teams we have in Ohio that are actually – doing pretty decent josh just to talk about it i mean we're starting with the mac but as you mentioned before uh we started the segment the max i mean it is about half ohio teams but the ohio teams are pretty much all at the top so far yeah i mean it's it's 12 teams and half of those are about ohio teams but when you look at the mac table it's toledo akron kent state uh ohio at four and then buffalo is at five but then six miami and seven bowling green I mean, we got a lot of uh, a lot of winning in the Ohio Mac. Yeah, so uh, I mean, you know, 
out of the half of the Mac, that's pretty much the top half of the Mac is the is the Ohio Mac. None more winning than the, uh, as you guys correctly predicted on last week's Who You Got, the Rockets. Yeah, check us out on Twitter. We post, uh, Twitter and Facebook, we post our Who You Gots during the week for some of the big games of the week. Uh, we picked the Rockets, Toledo now 15-6, and 11-2 in conference. Uh, Joe Lenardi from ESPN currently has them as a 12 seed. Uh, they've been, I mean... Those daunted 12-5 matchups. Yeah, that that's a tricky matchup. And they, I mean, like we said, been the class of the MAC. Uh, got a big win in the top two teams of the MAC versus Akron, uh, kind of blowing them out. Josh, what do you what do you what do you think was their best win so far this year? I mean, a lot of good wins for them. Some close wins, obviously kept it close for Xavier, but as far as their best game, what do you think they played? Yeah, I almost chose the Xavier game because they did play well and kept it close in that one. But I'm going to pick their that game that we were just talking about and the Who You Got, their 91-76 to revenge win over Akron. They shot 50% from the field, 45 from the arc, only missed two free throws going 16 for 18. I mean, it was just a really complete game. They just got to keep winning. Now that they got that win against Akron, that kind of sealed the fate, and they're in the driver's seat of the MAC now. So they can get that, just keep chugging along, and they can get that auto bid. The only issue is, I mean, if you have to pick out their worst game, it's probably the uh, it's probably the second game of last yeah. week. You know, you also have uh, lost to a Bradley team uh, from the NBC, who's only ten and eleven, but probably the lost to Ball State. Um, you know, they are pretty low in the Mac in the bottom half. They gave up 47 points in the second half and only shot 21% from three. Pretty disappointing for, for a Toledo team. Yeah. They blew a 13 point lead and they only made, uh, they made less than 30 baskets from the field in that game. So going from 50% shooting from the field to 32% is definitely not what you want to see. Um, I mean, I guess it happens, but those it are the happens. things. Those are the things with these mid majors, and we'll talk about it the more we go on. Yeah. But when you, like, uh, San- Saunders was the only bench help in that game against Ball State, and when you don't have, when the depth isn't there, and you go cold, that's it. Yeah, and I mean, they have a team that you know Lights has like like that has five players averaging uh, twelve and a half points a game or more. You know, they Marion Jackson is at. 16.7 but they have their next four guys are between uh you know four 12 and a half and 14 so real balanced attack and it's one of those things where you don't really expect the whole team to go cold but they kind of did and then also when your defense is giving up 47 points and a half just unacceptable i i mean would you say jackson's the best player that that toledo has or yeah i mean they got that jt shoemate guy he had 25 points five rebounds three assists that that, guy. Uh, that yeah, he's only. I mean, he's only played 14 games this, this yeah, year. He, he missed a couple games early, so. I I do like the Ke- Keyshawn Saunders, uh, who's the only guy off the bench for them right now. He had 14 points, two rebounds, two assists in that game against uh, the win against Akron. But that's the thing is, he's really the only help they're getting off the bench. Nice little six man. Thad Mata right. six man rotation. And like Greg said, they they're very balanced like in that win over Akron. They had five mm-hmm. double digit scores off the uh, from their starters, right there. Right, but but when you don't have that and you only have the one guy off the bench. Uh, yeah. So like I said, they just got to keep winning and maybe what'd you say 12 seed? 12 seed right now. We go from 12 seed to a 15 seed right now for Joe Lenardi. The Horizon leading Cleveland State Vikings who are <laughs> 14 and 5. 
14 and two in conference. Um, so far, as far as the Horizon League go, they play you know back to backs because of uh, the COVID protocols. So they've swept six of their eight back to backs in conference and then split the other two. A uh, huge turnaround for a team that was 11 and 21 last year. This was after in July of 2019, Coach Dennis Felton was fired months before the season after what can only be called a mutiny <laughs> from the team when more than half the team and oh, like I think 70% of the scholarship players were threatening to transfer. So they fired him, got Coach Dennis Gates, who basically had to start from ground zero with most of his players transferring out, got the team to 11 and 21 last year, and right now they're you know 14 and two in conference. Uh, so as far as a team, they've kind of been an interesting team so far this year, Josh. Yeah, I mean, as far as a program, like it's awesome. Their trajectory has skyrocketed. And going back to the Rockets real quick, I forgot to mention, they did get votes in the AP in yep. 38th right. this week. Um, AP. As far as Ken Palm goes, just to give you some comparison here. Like, Are we still it, on the Rockets? Yeah. Oh. Well, we're going, I'm comparing both just uh, to okay. let you know. Like, yeah. Cleveland State, like for their program, is doing really well. But like Toledo has the 11th adjusted offense, Ken Palm, and overall they're 60th. Uh, Go 100 spots back, and you'll find the <laughs> Cleveland State Vikings at 156. <laughs> uh, but if you go to Ken Palm Luck, uh, you'll find Cleveland State Vikings at number one. And I think that's indicative of, and I'll throw this to you, Zach, because this yeah. happened in the same week. Where Not since they were recruiting Manute Ball and their coach <laughs> got fired for doing coke. <laughs> They've been number one, baby. They uh, back at the beginning of December, they yeah. went to Ohio. They went to Athens to face the Bobcats, and the Bobcats broke an NCAA record that night, going on a forty to nothing run. That's just absurd. Cleveland State lost forty six to one hundred one. They only shot twenty three percent from the field. They really only made sixteen buckets from the field that night. Not, not a days, whole lot of buckets. Not, not, not a whole later, lot of buckets. Not days later, they go to Columbus to take on. I think they were twenty second ranked at the time. Yeah. Right now, fourth. Yeah, ranked. right now, right fourth, now, fourth ranked right. Ohio State Buckeyes, and they only lose by six. So I mean, like, that what was, was just, going through your head? I, uh, Buckeyes uh, huh? <laughs> like I was worried. I was like, oh gosh, it's like a typical Chris Holtman team. We're getting some hope, and then Cleveland State. I, yeah, I. The luck thing makes a lot of sense there. Um, yeah. and I think if you're looking at the horizon, just my quick two cents. I think if you're gonna, you're a betting man. Wright State's the better team. That, that the little yes. school outside Dayton. They're they're the more complete team. Yeah, and they're can, the better. And you they've been they've been bet. there before. Like yeah. as far as tournament wise goes, like I would rather see the the Raiders, the Raiders in the tournament. Even though they're a but, dog, Logan, but that's we can get into that another yeah, time. I know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you I, what do you guys think is their best player? Because Wright State is, I think, like we said, the more complete team. But Cleveland's yeah. got some stars. And, Greg, you were mentioning they've only won by a couple games. So yeah. they and need you to look have at, those stars. You look at, I mean, their schedule so far, you know, all of their conference games for the most part have been, you know, one or two possession games. I think their biggest win was like a 14-point win. But to, to kind of go further into that Wright State, Wright State only a game behind, their two games – now, both in Dayton against Wright State, uh, they won by two points on a Friday, and then the next day turned around and lost by 36. So that's yeah. kind of how this <laughs> Cleveland State team has been. But uh, I would probably say 
Uh, Torrey Patton, the yeah. senior, you know, one of the guys that's, that's been there a little bit. He's averaging, you know, uh, almost 13 points and seven and a half rebounds. The dude I, had 14 boards in that game against Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a beast. He's one of those guys that can, you know, I mean, he's a guard. Yeah, but he's, he's a guard. He's, he's six, a long five. guard, though. He's a long he's guard. He's 6'5", yeah. and he still can, you know, find a way. Uh, Dayton, Ohio kid. Uh, yeah. Finds I mean, a way to get it done. And at that point, when you're trying to rebuild a roster, you maybe find some, you know. Can we, sorry, can we talk about the number of players they have from, guess how many players they have from the British Virgin Islands? The British Virgin Islands. Yeah, how many players on the roster they have from the British Virgin Islands? Uh, and then they have one from Europe. I'm going to say eight. Oh, okay. No, no, they have like four, right? <laughs> they have three players from the British Virgin Islands and then a player from Portugal. Oh, wow. Flying to the A10, we got the Dayton Flyers, uh, 11 and 5, 6 and 4, um, out of the tournament currently. They're sixth of the 14 teams in the A10, although teams have played as few as three conference games. Uh, are on a four game winning streak. Probably best win, guys, was to start this current four game winning streak. Did play a St. Louis team that had about a month off because of um, you know COVID issues, but did beat. They lost to Duquesne. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of this. Oh, did they lose to Duquesne? They're they're three and three of the last four. four. Oh, I thought they won that game. That's on me. That's that thirty. That's that thirty. Can't be on anybody else. (laughs) That's that thirty rack double check. But uh, team that's played well. Three of their last four games they've won, and. you know, able to be the tough St. Louis team in St. Louis. Josh, so far this team, you know, obviously you have Jalen Crutcher coming back, but just don't have that kind of Batman and Robin that he had with Obi Toppin last year. No, and you've got uh, Ibby Watson in there who sometimes steps up and is that kind of Robin to Crutcher's Batman. But, yeah, yeah really, it's only Crutcher. They have a problem taking care of the ball, too. Um, I, I'd say their worst loss isn't that Duquesne. They lost 54 it's to 55. It's that Fordham loss. Fordham, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where Fordham's they only had like 31 shots. Yeah, and that's only that's Fordham's second win. That's They don't have any other win except <laughs> one other win and that win against Dayton. They're 2-9 and nine right now. Uh, Dayton shot 42% of the, uh, from the field, uh, went 4 for 23 from the three-point arc, had 17 turnovers, and Crutcher was the only one with more than 10 points. Ain't going to get it done, boys. Uh, yeah, like when you're in those mid-majors and you don't have the depth, especially the a is a good conference this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're beating. It's be- usually a team that gets, you know, at least multiple teams. But in, they went so. to, then they turn around and go to Davidson, who's right there yeah. at the top, and uh, they had a nice win there. Actually, That's actually the only game I've caught of theirs this year. Um, but again, that was a, more of a cleaner game, and, you know, Crutcher carried the load well, i mean that's about all they, they got. also kind of live and die by the three. Oh yeah, yeah and you see they were what four of i mean they're four of 25 from or i'm sorry four of 23 from three yeah and that 17 turnovers game. you do look at crutcher the one thing that i think is interesting about him is a lot of times when you kind of have he was kind of the second fiddle to top end when usually those guys move into the top role usually see you know shooting go down mm-hmm assists go down right his assists have gone down a little bit his shooting has actually gone up and really his only like significant change from last year to this year because those have been kind of small changes has just been he's taking more shots yeah so he's really been doing his part he's been shouldering the load but it's just not as much of a complete team as they what i would say they should join the sec though because they went two and oh again in the sec yeah they should just move to mississippi 
Yeah, I mean, they had that like game against St. Louis. You, uh, Crutcher hit five threes. They opened that game on a 9-0 run off three straight threes. You had five different players hitting from beyond the arc. But when it's just Crutcher, it's just Crutcher. Mm-hmm. Now we got to talk about that other team. Now we're now we're going to Norwood. Um, Norwood. At least two of us are disappointed Ugh. to talk about it. I don't I don't know how you feel over there. Hey, yeah. I'm a I'm a UCLA. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I'm trying I don't want to be talk respectful, but I hate talking about it. But we'll we'll just gloss over this pretty quick. They um, played six games. Everybody else has played a bunch more. Yeah, we, we <laughs> Xavier's eleven and two, four and two in the uh, Big East, the seventh seed right now. They're third in the Big East, but some teams have played eight more conference games than they have. They are coming out just outside of the top 25 at 28 in the AP I mean, this the, week. They're 0-1. They are, um, they're, they're one of the teams that, you know, when they were playing, because you can look at some of their best wins, um, they beat now number 12 Oklahoma by 22 at home. But they were kind of a team that played a bunch of games early. They had kind of their home, yeah. uh, well, home tournament where they played, uh, I believe – um Toledo was in that tournament. Yeah. Uh, a couple other teams. Oakland was in the tournament. A couple teams from around the area were in that tournament. So they got a nice early season, you know, uh stroke of games to, to but play. Even- but now they've only played one game since January tenth, which was a game on the thirtieth, and have had they're just hoping to get out of their third COVID pause. And even some of those early games that they played, uh, like I said, Toledo is number one in Ken Palm luck. Uh, Xavier's 12. And even some of those early games. Cleveland State's one in. Or Cleveland State, excuse me, is one in the Ken Palm luck. Xavier at 12. And some of those those early games, I mean, they they only beat Bradley because of a a Dwan Odom layup with less than three seconds left. Let us know, guys, who's your favorite from the the mid-majors. Do you think the Flyers have it in them to get back up, or uh, are you hoping for that five twelve matchup with the Rockets? Let us know at Thirty Rackets Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Zach, let's read some cans. Tropical fruit and citrus hop notes shine when paired with the sweetness of the crystal malts used in this IPA. With a seven percent ABV and moderate IBU, this IPA is ready to take out on the waters for a day of drinking. Aye, aye, Captain. Are there, like, big, I mean, I guess Little Miami River? Like, what, is there many waters near uh, well, let's Yellow Springs? It. Let's map uh, it. Let's I don't think so. It. And I believe it'd be the Great Miami River. Oh, yeah, yeah but I, I so. guess it is the boat show. So if you're going to be out yeah. on the water. I will say that. I mean, as we mentioned, very drinkable beer. Taking a look at the, um, at the can, Zach and I were talking about this before the show. I do like the design. I think it's got it's got like the nice like eagle heart hop crest. Not crazy about the colors, it's like orange, oh, really? yellow, and then the like the lime green in the middle. I think it's I think it's a bit much. Oh Not, no, I like the colors. It pops. It's the tropical. It definitely pops. It definitely if you're if you're looking to it. If you're in the beer aisle and you see the boat show, uh, it's gonna pop out. Josh, it's actually the little Miami River. Is it? Oh right man, there. I'm, I'm turned around. Know your rivers, sir. I'm sorry. Know I'm your sorry. river. I got river turned around. As, uh, <laughs> I got turned around in Wilbersville. Yeah, if you want to go check out, I mean, as we said, this is kind of their. Would you call it their flagship beer? Yeah, kind of their. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's the their face. big beer. It's the face. Their face. That I mean, got a ton of. I mean, what looks to be a ton of good beers. I'm very interested to try the uh, Cinnamongus, their barrel-aged uh, cinnamon whiskey barrel beer. 
Man, that would that, be the one that, that I would try. Good. I know it sounds, <laughs> it sounds great. Amazing. So sounds like we might have to make a trip up to Yellow Springs at some point, and we encourage you to do the same. All right, and we now get back into our big chug. Talk the big teams in Ohio. We've talked about all those mid majors, especially Xavier. Very much a mid major. I know team. you guys are huge fans. Very you know much, so much a mid major team. The ins and outs. So. Now, we're talking about the big teams in Ohio. Zach, we're starting in Columbus. We're talking about the, now, due to the new AP poll that came out at noon today, the number four Ohio State Buckeyes come in at 15-4, and 9-4 and four in conference. Currently a two seed for Joe Lenardi, but you got to expect they're kind of in that, like, 2-1 bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently third in the Big Ten behind number three, Michigan, and number six, Illinois, who they, who they beat. Who they both of which they still have on their schedule and Champagne, again. Yeah. yeah. So uh, probably biggest win was in a at the time a seven eight matchup in Iowa City versus the Hawkeyes an eighty nine eighty five win uh, three players with sixteen points Liddell Young and Washington. I mean, the Buckeyes have, have been on a roll recently, uh, Zach. Uh, the, yeah. I mean, they have. Uh, yeah, you noted the the Iowa game. I think was the that was the game. Are they for real? I mean, this is a team that they're five and one. Against the AP, top 25. Beat, uh, beat Wisconsin on the road, too. Beat Wisconsin at back. the time. Um, and so I, I love this team. I like the way they're built. Um, you know, we got from the Mata years, where I kind of joked earlier, the, the six-man rotation full of these, like, one-and-done guys. This is like a Chris Holtman-built team. I like what he's done here. Previous two seasons, they got off the hot starts, kind of faded. I think last year, they kind of were coming back up, didn't get a chance to see what they could do. Um, Who do you think is the best player on this? I mean, is it Liddell? There's so much. Yeah, I think I, I like Liddell. I think, yeah, definitely. I think he kind of comparing him like big guy last year. You know, Wesson. He he brings more. He's more dynamic. He can step outside. He can knock down the three. He's you know you saw a little bit of that last year, and he's really improved. I think he's a different kind of inside presence. Um, but I think you hit on the note. I mean, any any given night. They're deep. They can have anytime five, six guys scoring double figures. And um, I think what they did against Iowa, you know, even with Luca Garza, deep, they showed they could play defense. I mean, Luca Garza's he's going to win. He's going to be AP national player. And he's been scoring points at will. I mean, mean, he still scored 16 points, but compared to the 26, 27 points he was averaging, he's had times where he scored 16 points in like what amounts to a quarter, like 10 minutes of a half. Oh, yeah. He's had. 16 points in like 10 possessions. Yeah, and so I mean 16 points in a game for him is probably well under his average and right. And you're seeing Justin right. Aaron's kind of bringing that John Diebler. He's coming on and just hitting some big threes. Um even like a guy like Zed Key who um hasn't played like me average about 13 minutes a game. Stat sheet not like overwhelming, but you know, he came in and really muscled around Garza a bit and he's a, he's like a freshman. I mean, they they yeah. play with no fear. And, um, well, I think one of the guys that kind of sets the tone for them, a guy that I've been really impressed since, you know, a couple of years ago when I saw him play Cincinnati is, is Kyle Young. Oh, he's yeah, Kyle Young. Kyle hurt. Young is just, he's just that motor guy. He's one of those guys that just, you know, he, I mean, he has 16 points against Iowa, but he's one of those guys that whether he has two points or 20 points, he'll make his, you know, name known on the floor, oh, yeah. whether it's hustle plays, rebounds, because he's not exactly a, a big shooter, but he's one of those guys who'll get offensive rebounds, put the ball no, back up, exactly, get himself in the right position, and I, it, it's important to have one of those guys because he's one of those guys that you know 
when a team isn't matching his effort, he'll put up eight points like nothing. Right. I mean, he's efficient when he gets well, but you're right. He's he's the heart. He's the uh, the motor guy diving all over the floor, giving um, other guys problems on the defensive end inside. Um, kind of lets, again, Lydell kind of not have to deal with all that and get into foul trouble. And, you know, you need those kinds of guys. They're deep. I, I, I really love this team, I think. Uh, and, again, I think kind of I was thinking today, back to the Mata era, which I loved. I love Thad Mata, but – it's nice having a coach who develops players consistently and is like a very like high IQ basketball coach. Like I don't know how many times a high state comes out of timeout and they score. Like he knows how to draw plays up. That was always like the big thing at high state. They couldn't make you know with Mata was can't make adjustments and he's not. He, did, he just recruits well and he expects. And the nothing is a no basketball, yeah. but but yeah, like he's not that high level and you know Holtman's like this whole different all well, around. Yeah, I think coach. he use, utilizes the offense. And you know plays to those strengths. You know they've right. got the they've got the fourth best adjusted offense in the country mm-hmm. right now, and I, I think you're finally seeing all the pieces they've had for the past two to three years finally click together. Exactly. And you look at, I mean, you know, the nine and four in conference. You under number four ranked team, but you know the Big Ten has been a meat grinder. I think oh, right yeah. now they have seven teams or six teams in the top twenty five. You know they've had anywhere between you know. Five and nine teams, in the and top this is 25. a double-digit bid league. Yeah, yeah, and seventeen. Them in the Big Twelve are just meat grinders. Seventeenth right toughest yeah. schedule per Ken Palm. Yeah, so you look at them, and I mean, trying to find a worse loss. Uh, you know, the Minnesota loss. Nobody's pretty much nobody has been able to win in Minnesota this year. The That's barn. just a tough place Bad up in the barn. Always, yeah, uh, a couple point loss to Purdue. I would, if I had to pick one, I would probably just say that Northwestern loss in December. Northwestern only three and nine. But we're six and one at the time, and yeah. we're a team that was close to being ranked. I don't. Ohio State's not really a team that I think has a like a bad loss you could put on their schedule, and I think that's good because a lot of teams have these stoppages and you know come back, mm. and sometimes they're not ready. A lot of teams have these like head scratching losses. I don't really think Ohio State has one. You know, no. even going to Northwestern, they went on the road. Early in the season, when that's Northwest always was a kind tough of place to play. Yeah. Anybody historically has gone up, you know, gone to Welsh Ryan, right? Yeah. Welsh Ryan. I mean, it has been. I remember, you know, again, yeah. I mean, High State always struggled up there. That was always a tough game for them. So, I agree. I think they're uh, they're. I'm excited. So bra- yeah. bracketology wise, yeah. How how do you feel there? I, I think I, they have I, chances. I oh, think they yeah. have chances. I mean, I, yeah. if you're a two seed and you're right on the border right now, you still have a game against Michigan, who's a one seed, that's and Illinois, who's in like that two three range. If you win one, if not both of those games, I don't see how they keep you. You off make the one a line. deep conference tournament run. Yeah, you put them in, you know, semifinals to finals like or you win said, it. You got the depth. I, they're in. Because I think if you win the Big Ten title, unless it's one of those other schools that just goes on a crazy run or something. And I feel like now the offense is you're number one. Like I feel like yeah. years past, they at some point always hit a lull. Right, and, and the, I feel like it's just on. A well, C.J. Walker coming back right off now. injury, one of their few true point guards helps a lot too um and i think that. the other thing that you have to realize is you know being the fourth one seed isn't quite the burden of like sometimes you want to be the top two seed yeah. but the whole tournament's in in indy this year so you don't have to worry about you know oh we're gonna have to play our i mean playing you know gonzaga obviously is playing well so they're probably in the west but right. in or a typical year weird. sometimes for the you know some of the west schools are down it's like yeah we don't have to play in la it's yeah everybody's in indianapolis you want to get the best seed possible. Definitely. 
Josh, from a team that is a two seed to a team that uh, finally got two straight wins in the conference, uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats, five and seven, three and four in conference, uh, currently probably well out of the tournament, uh, seventh of 11 teams in the AAC, but uh, most teams have played between nine and 12 games in conference, so obviously Cincinnati well behind, had a 25-day hiatus from uh, January 10th to February 4th, but then came back this week and uh, won both of their games, both road games. Uh, the Temple game was changed from a home to a roadie because of the potential to not be able to make it up. So one at Temple, one at Tulane. If you include the games before the stop, have won three of their last four. Uh, they've just kind of been a team that you know has played a lot of close games, uh, kind of figuring out themselves. They kind of have three groups. They have the Mick guys. They have the transfer guys, and then they have, you know, the new guys. So it's kind of been, you know, up and down. You've seen, you know, a couple opt-outs. Uh, Ivanis Rapinowskis, who was the big transfer from Colgate, decided to just focus on his international or pro career. Uh, Gabe Matson, you know, hope he comes back as his brother stayed, but he decided after, you know, the break to opt out for the rest of the year. Uh, so he should be back, but, you know, dealing without him. So they had you know, two walk-ons playing minutes, uh, one of them starting a game because of minute restrictions against Tulane, able to get a win. Uh, so far during this year, 10 of their 12 games have been decided by single digits. So a team that's played a lot of close games has been kind of up and down. But maybe in the last week or so, we're starting to see a little hope here, Josh. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> there, like, maybe there might be a little bit of hope. Maybe string out when it's streak together. Um, but yeah, it's it's been rough for the Bearcats this year. And I think it's just because you have three different groups of players. And I, I remember at some point in the season, Brandon had like a wiffle ball game with them and they mm -hmm. won their next game. And I just, and that pulled them out of a, uh, I think six, five or six game losing streak, bad yeah. losing streak, pulled them out of that. And I think that week they gained some sense even a little bit of camaraderie because they're like, and I've said this before, there were some games at the beginning of the season where, I mean, there were no high f COVID's going on right now and everything, right. but like guy walks back to the bench and there's just like no chemistry whatsoever when you're coming back to the bench and you yeah. wonder, and that's not what you want to see. Yeah. And you wonder if some of that is, is the team, but also some of that is like, you know, you're building a team during COVID times. Like they didn't practice with each other overall summer. So you have a couple transfers that it's like haven't met anyone. You have a couple of freshmen yeah. that haven't met anyone. And then you're like, plus you had the coaching change last year. It seems like both the years Brandon's coached, he's kind of had to build teams from kind of the bottom up to, to fit his system. And they've seemed to be teams that have gotten better over the course of the year. Right. And I think it's just, you know, for a lot of the people that have hated on Brandon, especially this year, it's just, it's tough when you have no time to prepare, no time to, kind of yeah. meld the team together and then in the middle of the season you have a, a month off where you right. don't where you have one five on five practice and i know and i know cincinnati days. is a basketball school rich tradition and everything and so the fans are going to be you know harsh and everything but i do think it is a little unwarranted with what he's working with um now to go into i'm surprised they're only they're 89 overall in ken palm i thought they'd be out of the top 100 bpi for espn they're 107 mm -hmm. Um, but I'm curious to see what your thoughts on this are, Greg. For my worst game, 
I have it the 60 to 83 loss at Georgia. The bench scored the same amount of points as the starters did in that game. Something that you you never huge red flag right there. That's my worst game. Yeah, I think I I'm gonna you. I'm gonna agree with you, and I think the the two big things that kind of stand out to me, uh, you know, one they were because I remember sitting out here, you know, having the football game on and having the basketball game on. They were outscored forty nine to twenty six in the first half. Turned the ball over twenty four times. Yeah, almost every time down the court in the first half, and it kind of seemed like, you know, you looked early in the season, they were two and three coming in, but it was like. All right, they lost to Xavier, but Xavier had played a whole bunch of non-conference yeah. games, and they'd only played you know two, two before games, then. Yeah. And it was like, all right, maybe that's an issue. They kept the game close against Tennessee. Tennessee, I don't know if they're still top twenty-five, but they were a top twenty-five team, and it was on the road, and it was kind of like, okay, they were coming out of break too. Yeah, I'm sure. you come out of break, and you know you drop a game by a couple points. It's not really a big deal. Then you lose the head scratcher to USF, and then you're like, what's going on here? Then you get crushed, and at that point, you're like. There's some big issues with this team. And I think that kind of showed from the point of, like, no continuity, no yeah. camaraderie. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a lot of these teams, you know, in the um, in the league, a lot of these blue bloods are struggling because they have a lot of new faces. But the teams like Iowa, Wisconsin, even Ohio State, because of the way Chris Holtman's building the program now, these yeah. teams that have players that have been there two, three, four years – if you don't have continuity this year with the lack of right. practice, oh, the yeah. lack of summer program, it's just not going to work out. I think each of us have said it on one point of the show uh, at some point that the Richmond Spiders are one of the more dangerous teams this year because they're basically all seniors. Right. And they automatically I mean, that's have what that continuity. basketball now. The one that exactly. done era is gone. Having that. Well, yeah, having I, I don't the know most part, every I mean, year, but having yeah, a big mix of players yeah. right now is horrible for you this year yeah. and last year. But – yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd say that's the worst game because it exposed so much of what was wrong with the team. Chris Vogt had zero points, five rebounds, and one assist in that game. Now, I'm not here to call out college players. No one would ever say that I would do that. Oh, you would. But as a guy that was you know, carrying the team a lot, his first non-conference schedule, I believe, and I can check out the stats, but I know for a while he is very close to having Number of baskets made and number of fouls being very close. Yeah. Not exactly something you want out of your starting center. And and no. as part of that, I think, for him is he's just completely lost his confidence, and I don't think it's being addressed very well. That's something that I think is a fair criticism of John Brandon. But, yeah, I mean, in that game against uh, Georgia, they shot less than 40% from the field, less than 20% from the arc, and barely fifty over 50% at the foul line. Now, their best game, I think, and Greg, again, curious to hear your thoughts on this. I think their best game is the 76-69 to win at SMU. They shot 46% from the field, 44% from three, and they only missed uh, four shots from the foul line. They had four starters with more than 10 points, five overall. You had a great performance from Davenport, who was off the bench there. And Jeremiah Davenport, Bold take here, maybe, but I think he's the Bearcats' best player right now. I mean, really? Keith Williams is definitely the scorer, but I feel like Keith Williams isn't like really all that complete this year. Jeremiah Davenport's 10 points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game, about 1.5 assists per game. 
46% from the field. And unfortunately, like, I really think that's the most consistent that you're getting from the Bearcats players right now. So I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think that's a great win. I would say, for the most part, the Temple win, and honestly, either of the last two wins. You know, in the Temple game, you had Rob Banks, who was a guy that, you know, had played three games total coming into coming into that game started against temple gave him some good minutes williams wasn't at 100 percent, and they had who i think the guy who's turning into their best player who i hope you know can keep developing because i think that's the one issue williams has tried to do a little too much yeah i think it's um i think it's david DeJulius. he had 25 points against Temple, I think he's one of those guys that was trying to find his way after transferring. And though I think Davenport kind of plays that Kyle Young almost, you know, spot for Cincinnati. He's the big effort guy. Has shot the ball a lot better this year. So that's the one thing that he's kind of added. The spark of the team more. Yeah, but I think David DeJulius is probably their best player. And then I think they have a really good rising star in Tari Eason. Obviously, the first starter at the power forward position since uh, Gary Clark, who's now, you know, in the league getting, getting minutes for the the magic in the association, in the association, Uh, getting minutes for the magic. So, you know, certainly one of the, one of the best players that we've seen, you know, in the Mickey era at UC. And he's just one of those guys that, you know, effort. He, in the uh, Tulane game, he got kind of a, like a miss slash, alley-oop layup to give them the lead and basically have them get the win. And that's, I think, the biggest positive that you can take away from the Bearcats right now is that you are seeing a great deal of potential in some of these younger guys like Tari Eason and Jeremiah Davenport. Um, I know Mike we Saunders is kind of learning. Mike uh, Saunders. We haven't really gotten to see a whole lot of Zach Harvey this year, unfortunately. Yeah, he's um, out right now. Uh, and the Matson brothers, you know, Gabe Matson was kind of the, the higher ranked of the two Matson twins. Yeah. But you're getting Mason, who's played some meaningful minutes. Had a pretty he's good played, night. He's played decently. And he's, lane game. He was one of those guys. I think he came out as a three star, but early in the recruiting process, it was like Gabe was like a three, four star. And Mason was like a two star. So he's one of those guys that, yeah. you know, you kind of almost thought was more of a throw in, but he's definitely been a solid bench option. And I don't know if he develops into like a big time starter, but I think he develops into a solid player. Yeah. And I don't disagree with you about DeJulius. I just think he needs to find a li- and he's starting to find a little bit more momentum and consistency, finding his way and all. Um, Not just chucking up the race. But yeah, just to wrap up on the Bearcats real quick, they've got two games versus Memphis and one game against the ranked Houston. Um, I I don't know. It's a long shot. I don't think they can go three and zero in those games. Um, I I think they can put together a little bit of a streak here coming up in the middle of the season, but you basically have to win the tournament. To yeah, I I think I think basically pretty much no matter what happens, unless maybe you win out, you're probably gonna just have to win the tournament. As we mentioned, you know, it's it's unfair to compare UC to the Blue Bloods, even though a lot of the fans maybe think so but it's reasonable in the way that you know when the blue bloods get all their new freshmen every year you've seen i think this is the first year since the 60s that you know kansas unc duke and ucla are all not ranked at the same time yeah Yeah. so 
a lot of these guys that have a lot of freshmen are kind of retooling and UC is in maybe a little bit of a different situation, but they're in a situation where they're trying to retool after, you know, kind of reshaping their team from a McCronin team to a John Brandon team. And I think hopefully this summer things start to be figured out in the world a little bit more. You get the summer workouts, you get a regular schedule. And I think there are certainly some pieces here to make you see a competitive, solid team and, and a tournament team, which is really what you what you right. want to move forward. Right. We'll see you in March, NIT. Uh, let us know what you guys are thinking. <laughs> you really think you're going to get the NIT? Uh, probably not. Are they even going to have an NIT this CBI, year? CBI, no. baby! Yes, What's brewing? Uh, it's February. It is Black History Month. I'm going to try and get us a Black History Month brewing story each uh, each episode this okay. month. Maybe get a beer in there somewhere. If we uh, yeah, I'm looking to get I'm looking to get a couple. Um, we'll we'll see. Oh. I gotta make Ooh, some buddy. trips. Gotta make some calls. Yeah, gotta make some calls. Might call this one opening in Gahana up in Columbus. Gahana. Gahanna. It's Gahanna. It's Gahanna. Oh, it's not it, the uh, local pigskin. It's not pigskin. Oh. It's and you guys might have heard of Kindred Brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have closed and moving into this new space is Crafted Culture. It will be Columbus's first minority-owned oh. brewery. Um, cool. This comes from the ColumbusUnderground.com from uh, author Susan Post, and she had this interesting statistic in here uh, of the. Th- 7,300 plus craft breweries in the U.S., less than 60 were black-owned. Wow. But black dollars accounted for 12% of the industry's $27 billion in revenue. Wow. Wow. So black individuals owning less than 1% of that profit, but making up 10% of the raw profit. I mean, think of it. Over 70, like five, probably 7,500, I would have to guess, and less than 60 black owned. That's crazy. It's crazy. I was, yeah, that's, that's what I was to say. I was trying to do the numbers. I was like, that's yeah. that's not a whole lot of percent. It just seems, yeah. Wait, point eight, the engineer here. Point All right. That's not a whole lot. Crazy to me, I think though. it's like 0. 0.86 or something percent. Ooh. Uh, but not that big brain. The gentleman opening this brewery, Anthony Perry, he will be the first black brewery owner in central Ohio. Wow. Uh, He will be opening the doors here soon. Um, They're brewing their beer uh, somewhere else right now, Um, still getting things set up. But that will be opening soon. So if you're in Columbus, it's called called, uh, Crafted Culture. Crafted Crafted Culture Brewing Company. That's a mouthful, dude. Crafted Culture in Columbus. The Triple C. Yeah, the Triple C. Triple C. First uh, minority-owned brewery up there. Check it out. Uh, guys, Valentine's Day is around the corner. Oh, that's Crap. what V-Day means. Yeah, yeah, that's the Forgot. V-Day. Oh. Yeah, you caught on there. <clears throat> I thought it meant something else. But... <laughs> Gross. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Josh. I didn't know. You guys remember... He pressed the P, not the V, but... <laughs> Hi. We're trying to do a show right I'm now. I'm sorry. We're trying to do Go a show. On, Josh. Street, side, street side is doing a V-Day. Yeah, you, guys remember, you guys remember when we had uh, Street Side on the show? Which beer did we have from them? We had Saw, bro. Saw. Oh, yeah. Saw, uh, Street Side Brewery has a Valentine's Day beer bundle that you can order online um, at their website uh, or on their Facebook, Street Side Brewery. You can get a curated four-pack of beers. Listen to this lineup of beers that you get into this. I'm down. <clears throat> Seasonally in a propes. A Derby Pie Imperial Milk Stout. 
Be Mine, a raspberry honey milkshake IPA. Ooh, that sounds good. Pucket Pineapple, upside down cake Berliner Weiss. And Level Up, a dry hopped Pilsner. I might just get this for myself. I think I just talked myself into that it right there. That sounds good. The package also I'm already includes, on my way to ordering. The package also includes a dessert sampler from Three Sweet Girls Cakery and a bouquet of fresh flowers from Daisy Jane's Flower Truck. So if you're in the Cincinnati area and looking to support some local business, good three-way local business Valentine's Day package coming at you from Streetside Brewing. Order it online and pick it up. Uh, you got to order by Wednesday, February 10th, and then you can pick it up on Valentine's Day from Streetside Brewery. And finally, guys, we got a cool sale that happened. This is one of my favorite breweries up in the Cuyahoga area, Missing Mountain Brewing. They have the stout, and you guys will love the name. This stout. You guys will love that. I know you'll it's love that. It's not that stout. It's this stout. It's called We're Not Mad, Just Disappointed. A lot of times I've said that to Zach. <laughs> uh, this is a uh, one. This is a stout that is infused with coffee, vanilla, and cocoa bean. Uh, also, maple, vanilla, and cinnamon. It's got a lot of everything in there. A total of 200 bottles sold out in less than two minutes. Damn. Whoa. On this app. So a hot commodity. Congratulations to Missing Mountain on that uh, quick sale there. Guys, that is what is brewing in Ohio. Ohio's sports and beer podcast, guys. Before we get out of here, do we have some cheers for the crowd? I've got a cheers. Oh, I'll start okay. with you, Josh. Jesus. Who are you cheers? Jump in fucking line. Yeah, I'll jump in line here. I'm shouting out FC Cincinnati for signing a player finally, and it's actually a decent signing. A good player? A, a, a good player, and is expected to be the highest signing with MLS from Brazil. Ronaldinho? Not Ronaldinho. Oh, Jesus. Uh, this I is, even know who that is. This is Brenner, Brenner Souza da Silva. Uh, it's expected Sounds to be like an MMA a fighter. 10 to $13 million signing. Uh, he is the top scorer for Brazilian club Sao Paulo. 17 goals in over 33 matches. Also made some uh, under-17 World Cup appearances for Brazil. So it's the first. I'm more of a Vasco da Gama guy as far as Brazilian soccer. So, Zach, <laughs> who are you shouting out? Uh, shouting out my quarterback. Aaron Rodgers finally settling down. Giving a ring. I'm hoping that's a good sign that next year he'll be bringing a ring home. Has he given as many rings, or has he given more rings than he's than he's gotten? It's tied. Oh. <laughs> one, one. So, Ooh. yeah. Hey, better better record, Super Bowl record than Mahomes, though. One no, baby. Rex Grossman also has an NFC championship. Greg? Oh yeah, as many <laughs> NFC championships as Rex has. Sexy Rexy. Hey, uh, first of all, don't disrespect Sexy Rexy. <laughs> and second of all, <laughs> Rogers brought the ring home. Hey, Blaine, Gar- Blaine Gabbert got a ring this weekend. So, Oh, the Blaine train. So, Who you cheers in, Greg? Shout out to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, don't mean to make this cheers a little bit somber, but uh, you got to cheers. One of the great coaches in Cleveland, uh, Marty Schottenheimer, who some of the youngins may know as the uh, San Diego Chargers coach, was fired after a 14-2 and season. Because yep. a guy didn't know how to just go down after a pick on fourth down. Uh, Marty was the coach of the Browns from 1984 to 1988. 
his final four seasons, so four of his five seasons, he made the playoffs and went to the AFC Championship twice, losing in heartbreaking fashion twice, as the Browns do. But uh, Marty was moved to hospice care last week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, one of those guys that looked old back in the 80s. Obviously, you know, a guy that's been around, but still something sad to see. Uh, you know, one of the all-time great coaches in football. One of the all-time that you've heard just, you know, great guys in football. It's kind of yeah. gotten the, the you know, tough end of the deal, whether it's in Cleveland, Washington, obviously was fired in San Diego after a 14-2 and two season, but a guy that deserved more and, a, you know, a guy that I really wanted to give a shout-out because, you know, I wasn't around for it, but certainly gave us some some great memories in Cleveland, even if they ended up kind of on a on a somber note. Yeah. So uh, after those cheers, bring things back up, guys. Uh, first off, want to shout out our pals at Yellow Springs Brewery, their boat show IPA, a really solid IPA, a nice drinkable really beer yes. for the show. Uh, shout out to them. Shout out to all the sports going on in Ohio as we move on to college basketball. Shout out to Zach on the takes. What up? Shout out to Josh on the ones and twos. I am the talent. My name is Greg. Thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. We out of here.